Hey, church. Are you ready for the greatest party ever? <laughs> Emily, my wife, get ready. Let's go. <laughs> Big expectations. <laughs> um, no, seriously, we invite you over kind of at the end of the, end of the summer party, and uh, we'll have a blast. Uh, a couple things uh, I want to just highlight is uh, part of our vision. Uh, do you know our vision? To be a church that is for Jesus, for people. Boom, we got it. Uh, amazing. So part of our vision is periodically we schedule events to be out in the city, serving the city. And uh, an event coming up is our backpack drive. And, and this, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. There's info about it on Facebook. There's info about it in the newsletter. If you need a newsletter, you can go downstairs and pick one up at the welcome home table. And uh, this is an event that we've joined other churches in the area for. It's called We Care Eau Claire, and every year they, we put together a giant backpacking event. Uh, that event is held August 22nd. Uh, it'll be, I think it's a Tuesday night, maybe someone check me on that, but August 22nd, it's a night everyone in the community is invited that if you need a backpack, you are welcome to come. And uh, we have a room full of supplies downstairs, and so this next week is the week that uh, we are packing backpacks at, I believe, our church and then Bethesda Church, Lutheran Church. And so if you want to be a part of that, if you want to sign up, uh, the only open slots left are Monday 8 to 11, Tuesday 10 to noon, Wednesday 8 to noon, and Thursday 9 to 11. If you go on our Facebook page or in the newsletter, you can see all those laid out. You can pick a slot and sign up for them. But we have a ton of people signed up already, so I'd love to invite you to join uh, the party as we pack backpacks for families in our community uh, and, and help them out. And then, additionally, we have another serve day planned October 22nd. So I want you to take out your phones and go to October 22nd and put in your calendar serve day at Renew Church. I want you to be part of it. We want to go out into the community and serve all sorts of organizations and people. We are in process of putting that together. Uh, But that is going to be an important day for us, our church, and the community. All right? Uh, Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Last week we talked about Mark chapter 2, and we talked about uh, the paralyzed man who who was sitting outside uh, the city's edge, and we talked about how Jesus' ministry was on the scene, it was exploding. People from all over the town were going, man, there's a guy in town that's healing my family members. There's a guy in town that's healing my friends. There's a guy in town that when he speaks, things happen. Like, this is amazing. We got to get in front of this guy. We got to be a part of what this guy is about. That guy's name is Jesus. We talked about the story, how Jesus is in the house, and the house is packed with people because everybody wanted to wanted in on what Jesus was doing. And there were four friends that had a paralyzed friend that was sitting outside, probably around the city gates. They brought their friend, picked their friend up, brought them to the house. When there's no room left in the house, what they do? Of course, logical thing, they dug a hole in the roof, lowered their friend down because they knew we had to get our friend in front of Jesus. 
and their friend was healed. Well, this week, I want to, there's just a couple chapters later in the story of Mark, and it's the story that Jesus tells, and it's the parable of the sower, the story of the sower, and the parables throughout Jesus' ministry were stories that he told why. Jesus was communicating something in the stories, in story form. And so I first exercise I want to do this morning is I want to read through the story. And then I want to give us a minute of just reflection. All right? Like I'd like us to imagine we were sitting there in the crowd of people that needed to hear a word from Jesus, that wanted to hear something from him, that wanted to be taught. Hopefully that's your attitude coming to church today. But I want to give us a moment to listen to what Jesus says in the story and then just reflect. Like put yourself in the story. What impacts you? What stands out to you? How do you feel when you read the story, when you hear the story? What Things in the story speaks to you, speaks to our culture, speaks to our church. Verse 1, chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the, all the other people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables or by story. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, and then because of the soil was shallow, but when the sun came, and the plants, the plants were scorched, and, when, and then they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And and then Jesus has this phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Basically, if you get the story, you get it. If you don't, tough. So, take a minute And maybe you want to read through the story again slowly, but I want to just take a minute and have us reflect. What are your initial takeaways from this story? How does this story hit you?
All right. I'd love to be around round tables and just have conversation about this. I think that would be powerful and, and very revealing. One of the things that's beautiful is when we study Scripture in community, when we're able to sit and have dialogue about what we just read. Because I bring my view, and then someone else brings another view, and then someone else brings another view, and together we get a fuller picture of what the story is communicating. The crowd hears this story, and then I think this is fairly comical. Uh, Jesus is alone with his disciples, and his disciples are sitting there thinking back about this story, and, and they ask about the parables. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And then Jesus says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So in these stories, there is something that is revealed about God, about his kingdom. That not everybody gets. That's an important piece. But to those on the outside, everything said is said in parables. So throughout the Gospel of Mark, you'll, you'll start to notice this language. You see it in just chapter 3 before this. There's this inside language and outside language. If you notice, Jesus is talking about his mother and his brothers. And he says, those on the outside are asking a question. And then Jesus says, well, those on the inside are my true Family. That's an interesting part you can think about later. But uh, Jesus says, uh, those on the outside, everything's said in parables and in story form so that they may ever be seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. There's a quote directly out of Isaiah. Chapter 6, 9 and 10, and it's when Isaiah was commissioned as the prophet. In the book of Isaiah, Israel is walking away from God. They're, they're, they're doing things. They're very religious. Uh, they like to give. They like to have worship services. But really in their hearts, they are not loving God. Like God is not at the seat of the throne in their life. God is not at the top. They are doing all these religious exercises, but they're really not following Jesus with all that they have in their life. They're going to worship. They're giving their offering, but then they're treating the, the worker in their field poorly. They're going to church, they're putting on a happy face, they're, they're raising their hands, they're worshiping God, but then they're hating their neighbor. I'm so glad things have changed. But God calls Isaiah, says, Isaiah, you're my boy, you're going to go preach to the people, preach to my people, preach to the people that are supposed to be set apart and bring them back to me. There's a graciousness in God here. Because the nation of Israel is in exile. They are separated. They are in a foreign land because of their sin. Because they are not following God. And God is just putting a hand out and saying, please come back. I'm going to send prophets to you to call you back to me. I think it's so gracious of God and shows God's pursuit of you 
and I. But there's this reality that that I think Jesus is pointing out here. When the gospel is preached, when the word is revealed, there are some that are going to get it. If you know, you know. But there are some that it's just going to fly right over their heads. So the disciples are saying, hey, what's this story about? Can you tell us? We don't quite get it. Which I think is kind of funny. These are people who are following Jesus, are living with him, are walking along with him in life. So there's times you could be a committed Christ follower and it still takes some time for a story to sink in. It may not sink in the 10th the time you've read it, but it might sink in the 50th time you've read it. And you might actually, it might click, and it might click in your head and your heart and your life and how you act it out, and it might transform you. Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? I, I, I imagine Jesus is a little sarcastic. That's just how I picture his voice. How then will you understand any story? You don't get this story. How will you understand any other story that I tell? I'm in over my head. Maybe I picked the wrong 12, but here we go. I'm going to explain it to you. Hopefully you catch up. That's what I imagine is going on in Jesus' head. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. So this is a story about the revelation of God. And how people respond to it. Notice, this story is both a warning and an invitation. It's a warning on one hand going, don't miss it. I'm referring back to the nation of Israel that missed it for a long time. Don't miss it. He's telling the story in the context of his ministry beginning and he's preaching and who are the ones that are the most skeptical about the message? The Pharisees. The people that should get it in Jesus' time are missing it. And so we as the church come along today and we go, oh yeah, it's a story. We get it. We understand it. Don't be so quick to say that you understand Because the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, the the Pharisees at the time, should have been the ones that got the story the quickest. So Jesus is telling the story. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So as soon as they hear the gospel, as soon as it's revealed to them, as soon as they hear it, now literally actually hear it, it's gone. And Jesus says, well, that's, that's Satan's work. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... It lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes, they receive the word. Oh, Jesus, 
I'm sitting in this worship service and the music is right. I'm sitting here and the, the preacher uh, gives an invitation to follow me and I'm sitting here and I'm like, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you. I'm gonna follow you. And then nothing in their life changes. Maybe they make church a priority and they start coming on a weekly basis, but really nothing in their life changes. It's interesting because sometimes as Christians, we think we can be discipled in an hour a week. And here's the secret to discipleship, to following Jesus. You cannot be discipled in an hour a week coming to church. It has to become part of your entire life. It has to be practices that you bring into your life that draw you closer to Jesus, that stir your affections for Christ. And that transform your life to follow him. Coming to church is just a small part of the equation. It's an important part, but it's a part and so he's saying they, they initially heard the revelation, heard the gospel, heard your voice, and like, yes, I need Jesus in my life. And then they started following you, but they weren't really following you because they didn't really bring this, integrate this into their life. So they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but my life looks exactly the same as everybody else's. I'm a Christian, but nothing has changed in how I operate before Jesus and after Jesus. And then Jesus, surprise, surprise, says, as soon as persecution or trouble hit, Jesus was kind of irrelevant in their life. I think this is interesting. Think back over the last two years. How have Christians responded to the happenings of the last two years? I mean, there's a lot of responses, right? Depending on your context, depending on your scenario, depending on what group you're around, there's a lot of responses. But I think you've seen some people that initially were following Jesus when trouble and persecution hit. Now, persecution didn't hit. Trouble hit. Let's just be clear about it. Trouble hit, and they kind of abandoned their walk with Jesus. Now, I'm not just talking they just stopped coming to church. That's a, there's, that's a loaded statement that I just said. But there's people over the last two years that when trouble hit, Jesus went out the window. And in the Bible times, Jesus is saying when persecution hits, throughout the New Testament, there's actual persecution. Like you could die for talking about Jesus, for following Jesus in your community. That kind of persecution. Jesus says there's a whole group of people that when the, the, the seed was sown in their life, they initially responded with joy and thanksgiving and following Jesus. But as soon as it became risky, as soon as it became hard, as soon as it was difficult, their faith left. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, listen to this carefully. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth 
and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I think this is maybe the most convicting section. Because you you hear the word, you hear the gospel, you make the decision to follow Jesus, and you start following him with your life. But it's like the farmer who throws seed and it's among the thorns. There's all these things surrounding your life that start to choke out Jesus. All these worries, all these anxieties, all these things come rushing in. The idea that we can buy happiness with what we have, that we can sustain ourselves with what's in our bank account. These ideas we get seduced by. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worship what's created. And the problem with worshiping what's created is it does not satisfy. Think in any area of life. Think about sex. Think about food and drink. You can have the best meal of your life. What happens Hours after you eat that food, you're hungry again. Sex is this repeated beautiful gift, but it's this repeated cycle that it gives. It brings intimacy and bonding within the right context. It's beautiful. It's an amazing gift, but it leaves you more empty if that's all you're chasing after. Or if you're chasing after intimacy by having sex, you will be left bankrupt by the end of the day. Think about buying things. Everybody likes to buy things, right? It makes you feel good. A lot of us, when we are feeling down emotionally or when we are struggling, what's the quick fix? I want to go buy something because it's exciting. It feels nice. It feels good. How many of you thought in your life, if I could just have this, my life would be complete? Is it ever complete after you get said thing? No. It's just one more thing gets added to the list after that. Oh, now I want this. Now I want this. Now this is the thing. Now this is the thing. It's all worshiping the created. It's not sustainable, and it leaves you more empty. We need to worship the creator. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke out the word. It's interesting because what's created promises to be fulfilling, doesn't it? But Jesus is pointing out here, hey, look, life is busy. Life creates worry and anxiety if we allow it to. We can chase after all these things, trying to find the source, trying to find the, sick, the, the fix, trying to find the thing that fills the hole in our lives. And time and time again, we will come up short. 
And then Jesus says others. Like seed sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it. And produce a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Jesus then continues to explain other stories that back up this story. But how, how does this story hit you? As you hear it, what impacts you from this story? How, how would you place yourself in this story? Essentially what I'm asking is what soil are you? Think about it. Maybe you heard the gospel at some point. You heard about Jesus and then it was just snatched away from you. And maybe you're sitting back in this room or watching online and you've, uh, life has kind of brought you here, right? Everything else you've chased after and it's all empty and it's all void and, and you're really in a, a, a hurting spot and you just are trying to find the answer. Or maybe you're somebody who's, who's sitting here trying to give Jesus a try again because at one point you accepted to follow Jesus. You said Jesus is going to be the center of my life and then life got complicated, life got difficult. And Jesus just kind of made its way out of my life. It wasn't intentional, it just kind of happened. Like I just kind of forgot about Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting here going, man, I know Jesus, I'm following Jesus, but life is, is really busy. And it's hard to manage. And there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of worry and anxiety in my life, and, and there's a lot of things that I'm wrestling with, that I'm dealing with, and I'm, I'm trying to make ends meet because the budget isn't quite meeting it. I'm trying to figure out how, how to be successful. I'm trying to figure out my identity. I'm trying to figure out all these things. And I, and I keep searching in all these other places. I mean, I got a podcast list 20 long that, that all promised to help me find the answer to life. I, I got a stack of books, five deep, that I haven't read yet this year that are sure to promise me how to be successful and how to live an abundant life. And as life gets busy, as the routine set in, as work gets chaotic, as I'm trying to get that promotion, as I'm trying to maintain family life, I'm trying to keep my marriage together, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know that Jesus is slowly just getting choked out of the equation. And I think for the American Jesus follower, this is an absolute reality for all of us. If you're not there right now, you will be. This is the thing that is we follow Jesus within our culture, all that that means. We have to be diligent 
to not allow the revelation, the gospel, Jesus, to be choked out of our life. It's interesting because if you read through the the book of Mark, I encourage you, this week, with this story in mind, start reading through the book of Mark. Seeing how Jesus interacted with people. And start seeing people as soil in the story. In the, the parable, or the, the story of the paralytic. Who were the main characters, and what kind of soil were they? Think about it. The four friends, the, para, the paralyzed guy who said, yeah, take me to Jesus. The four friends that said, we are absolutely going to get you in front of Jesus. Regardless, no matter what, we're digging a hole in the roof. We're dropping you down. What soil were they? I, I think they were on their way to be the good soil. The soil that produces a crop. If you just look at the friends, the four friends, they are producing a crop and getting their friend before Jesus and getting him healed. Who were the Pharisees in the story? I think they were the hard soil. They stood back and critiqued and said, Jesus, you're not doing things the right way. Who are you? If you page forward to Mark chapter 5, the disciples are in the boat with Jesus and a big storm comes. And what's the disciples' reaction? Fear. Oh no, we're going to sink. Jesus, save us. Jesus wakes up going, what kind of faith do you have? Where is it? Even the disciples, you could say, what kind of soil are they? And then remember last week I said the minor characters prove the point. If you keep reading in Mark chapter 5, you see the minor characters in the story, the the woman that is bleeding and Jairus and his daughter to be the good soil in the story that produces a crop. What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are we as a church? How are you letting the worries of this life choke out Jesus? How are you letting the material things of this life choke out Jesus? How are you letting the busyness in our world, and that's part of our culture and life, choke out Jesus? How are you letting your mission to be successful choke out your relationship with Jesus? And then the next kind of question is, what kind of crop are you producing? Because there's a promise in the story. The good soil produces good crop. This is just how it works. So what kind of crop are you producing? In other words, how are you becoming a disciple of Jesus? Are you putting practices in your life that keep Jesus in the center? That form your life the Jesus way? We have to be diligent about this as we follow 
Jesus. Because as you see, there's all sorts of soil, and it's all, there's all sorts of ways that the gospel, the revelation of Jesus, will be lost if we aren't diligent. What practices are we putting in our life that keep Jesus in the center? How are we allowing Jesus to form our life? Practices around giving and generosity, around reading scripture, around being in community together with other Jesus followers. Uh, Practices around serving those in our church and outside our church in our community. Practices of Sabbath, practices of prayer in listening to Jesus. These are all things that, that... We talk about because each of them shape and form our life to be good soil. These are things that we start doing in our life because we love Jesus. And we want to be like him. Are we like the tree that's planted next to the river in Psalm 1? That's receiving nutrients regardless of the weather. That's firm, that's planted, that's steady. No matter what trouble comes, no matter what pandemic comes, no matter what political discord comes, no matter what happens in life, we are planted. All the other trees wither around us, but we are planted because we are next to the river that constantly provides a source of nutrients. Are you abiding in Jesus? Jesus talked about the vine and the branches. He said, abide in me. Remain in me. Be the good soil. Are we seeing the fruit of the Spirit in our life? As you look back over the last year, are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit being grown? Are you seeing the gifts of the Spirit starting to be cultivated in your life to do the powerful work of the ministry See, there's a warning in, this, in these passages. Don't miss it. But there's also an invitation. What's the invitation? We can be the good soil. And if we are the good soil, there's a promise there. Not that life is going to be amazing. You're going to have all the things you ever want. You're going to be able to go on amazing vacations. You're going to get to be able to buy the car you want and the house you want and all the things. No, the, the invitation is that when you follow Jesus, when you put these practices in your life, you are going to be good soil. You are going to get Jesus. You are going to learn that Jesus came so that we can live life to the full. That we can be free from things, but also free to things in our life. And as we do that, as we follow Jesus, we will produce a crop. A fruitful and successful ministry of going out and showing and telling others about who Jesus is. So the invitation 
is not just that you can become good soil. The invitation is that you become good soil and you join Jesus in the mission to go out and reveal him to others by the way that you act, by the way that you think, by the way that you live, and by your presence on social media. Will you accept the invitation? Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we ask that as as you tell these stories in Scripture, Jesus, we ask that we would sit in these stories and that you would teach us the meaning that your spirit would work in us and show us the meaning of these stories that you told so long ago. Show us what these stories mean for our life. Convict us in the places that we are walking away from you. Convict us in the places where we are letting the things of this world choke out you. And Jesus, I pray that you lead us to be good soil, that your spirit leads us to be good soil. And that's not an overnight thing, Jesus. That's a long process as we follow you. Make us individually be people that accept that invitation. Make us as a church be a church that accepts your invitation. In your name we pray, amen.